You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Time of the evening uh, where you join us on the segment uh, Travel Express with Ibrahim Barachia. And, uh, you know, he's my Ibrahim Bar. And we all thoroughly enjoy him on the segment. Ibrahim Bar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat, and of course our listeners to Radio Marka Sahaba out there. Alhamdulillah, I'm on top of the world this evening, and uh, I think it's a lovely evening out there. It's been uh, overcast, but uh, nice and cool. So uh, yeah, had a good day, and I am looking forward to an even better evening. Inshallah, uh, but, you know, inshallah we'll have a, a fantastic evening in your uh, Pious and sagacious company. Now, Ibrahim Ba, you know, I was thinking about yesteryear, you know, when you drove in, uh, when you're coming from uh, my part of the world, from Spingo Beach, and you got mm-hmm. onto the freeway, and then you came down into the Esplanade, and you looked at the glistening lights of the ships on the harbor waters, and you found the serenity, you found the peace and sukoon. And now, you will never ever in the evening, will never get that, uh, that, that, that paranoia, that, that fear you know, when you're near that, when you're in that explanade area, who's going to come and bang my windscreen or going to break into it? How did, you know, how the whole scenario has changed over the years, Ibrahim Ba? You know, we, perhaps we took our young days uh, for granted, Ba? Well, I'm not so sure. I think uh, we lived the life we lived in when uh, people were, and I'm putting this in italics, civilized. Yes? These days, people are acting more like uncivilized barbarians, and that is where the problem is. I mean, in those days, you could uh, leave your doors open, you could leave your car and lock, leave the keys in the ignition, and it was still there when you got back. Nobody really interfered with you. Everyone was there to uh, live and live, let live, live and enjoy the, uh, what's the name, the uh, area, the company and things like that. That has all changed. And unfortunately, this is not just the scenario that is playing itself out here in South Africa. It varies from place to place and from degree of severity and things like that. What we are witnessing witnessing is a degeneration of mankind. And this is not something that happened by accident. No, this has been driven by the satanic people that are in uh, leadership positions all over the world that are sort of driving humanity in what is really a dead end. And uh, unfortunately, I think you mentioned on the other day, one of your programs that I had listened to, that you get people, few of them, and you get the majority of the sheep, and they just follow their master's voice. And this, unfortunately, is the situation where they, the so-called wicked elite or the misleaders in charge have looted the nations and destroyed the rights and trampled all over the human rights of their citizens, don't give a damn about them, don't even care to represent them, and want to foist upon us all sorts of nonsensical agendas like transgender, this and nonsense, that, and endless wars and things like that. And of course, if one even has the time or is naive enough to sit and waste time watching all the movies on Netflix and this flix and that flix, what does it say to you? I mean, it's either about this one sniper killing that one or that one going to war with that one or this one sleeping with that one, his wife. And it's all sort of aimed at destroying the morals and the values, the ethics. And, uh, you know, uh, there's just nothing left anymore. Everyone thinks like that. What can I get out of the situation instead of saying, what can I give? 
And this way, this is where the problem started. Just today, I, I dare say, I, the last of the innocent years that I could remember, you know, they, they were genuinely, you know, peace and harmony between race groups and everybody else, even though we were under the apartheid yoke. I dare say the 60s and maybe the early 70s, that was it. And thereafter, it took a downward turn. And uh, this is what we are living today. And the thing is, if you think it's bad now, well, this is just the beginning of the end, my friend. And the thing is, there's even more coming up very shortly. Uh, firstly, there is a strong suggestions and reports that they are going to reintroduce another even deadlier uh, pandemic or pandemic that's coming down the line anywhere in this last quarter. So uh, this is the reality of the situation. So no, the places are still as beautiful as ever. Maybe they are uh, not cared for, uh, have been left to rot and are derelict. And uh, the fact that uh, it is so dangerous to even venture out your front door, that is why nobody even goes there anymore. I mean, we used to love sitting on the dock of the bay over there, by especially Maiden Wharf by the Sugar Terminal and thing on the weekend and even some uh, nights. Uh, fishing and just enjoying each other company. You think you can do that now? Forget it. Even the, the benches there, the Esplanade, you remember on a Sunday? Yes. Yeah, you know, lovely to sit at the sh- look at the ships, mm. or you could play even a game of cricket and so forth. All that has vanished in the right. NAs. And as you said, Ibrahim Ba, they are, uh, you know, the fabric of society, they are taking it out. It's finished. It's finished. Yeah. It's all gone. But then uh, someone that's uh, really, you know, every time we talk about it, you know, we talk about the international arrivals at Cape Town International Airport, injected 24 billion rands into the Western Cape economy in 2022. You know, I know you were at Toyota and everyone says everything <laughs> keeps going, going right, Toyota. But now everything seems go- <laughs> to be going right. Wrong. Cape Town Airport. Ibrahim <laughs> <laughs> No, well, look, uh, hats off to the people that are running uh, the Western Cape. And especially we think that we are dwelling on the topic of uh, Cape Town International Airport. Yeah, hats off to them. And uh, they did uh, bring that amount of money in through international arrivals alone. And uh, this was, uh, you know, due solely to the efforts of uh, the people in charge of running the place. And, of course, Cape Town Air Access and Westcro, which is in charge, Western Cape, uh, sort of uh, uh, business opportunities and things like that. And uh, that contribution is quite staggering and it underscores the significance of air travel and job creation, GDP growth, and of course, the transport of air cargo. And uh, get this, a staggering 605,000 foreign passengers contributed that sum that you mentioned, 24.3 billion supporting 10,600 jobs. And for every 100 international passengers, 2.1 million was generated in direct tourism spending. And of course, uh, 1.4 million rand worth of air cargo was transported. Now, that takes some doing. And uh, again, you know, uh, we can only but commend them. They're doing something right and it's paying dividends handsomely. Now, these findings, uh, they reveal the aviation and, of course, tourism that goes with it. The sector's vital role, because for every 100 passengers, adding 500,000 to the provincial GDP and enabling two local jobs, it is something that, you know, is admirable, really. 
and of course the breakdown of the travelers you know they have stats and things like that shows that there were out of every hundred uh, 39 were south african nationals and the majority by far were 61 were of foreign origin with the top five markets including the uk germany the united states netherlands and uh, our neighbors on the west namibia surprisingly and uh, of course, Western Cape officials, they emphasize the role of aviation, uh, you know, as a and Cape Town value, of course, as a tourist destination and its impact on various industries. And of course, the fact that the flight activity has increased and it benefits multiple sectors across the board. Uh, and it again, it underscored the uh, sector's importance as an economic engine promoting foreign direct investment, trade and export growth that's vital for Cape Town's uh, Western Cape rather prosperity. And of course, the far reaching impact it has on various uh, allied uh, and economic uh, sort of uh, supporting industries. So the economic development and Cape Town International are working very well and uh, I hope we could achieve something similar here in this part of the woods, but uh, that's uh, hope against hope somehow. You know, Bob, whilst you're talking, and immediately my thoughts uh, ran into the Ushaka uh, airport, and I thought <laughs> about our harbor, and I said, hey, it's like chalk and cheese, Bob. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And all, all the difference is who's running the operations. That's all it is. And the mindset. The thing is, it is said that where there's a will, there's a way. There's always a way. But uh, if your agenda is uh, totally or diametrically opposed to uh, doing the right thing, then uh, you can see the difference with the right things on the wall. Look what's happening down in the Western Cape and look what's happening up here. You know, and we talk about federation and I, you know, one would have thought uh, with the federation, perhaps, you know, this part of the world, but then there's a danger of, uh, you know, uh, KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, this is where everything starts. If uh, KwaZulu-Natal is unstable, the whole country feels it. Is you know, the, the, I mean, you look at the uh, uh, what insurrection that took place in uh, uh, July last year. I mean, it was all because if uh, we sneezed here, yeah, the whole country got a cold. Uh, bah. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, and you must remember that we were once the uh, busiest port on the continent. We've lost that, I think, to Nigeria and elsewhere. And uh, it's indicative of the fact that uh, this is what happens when you put people, A, who are not fit for purpose, meaning they don't know the job, or lack the, lack the requisite skills, or are appointed just because they uh, vote for the right party or wear the right t-shirt or whatever. And uh, it's unfortunately it's not sustainable i mean uh, anyone can tell you that it's going to earn, end in tears and uh, this is where we are at this juncture but it's finished uh, the way you said it is finished and i'm just thinking i went into that finish mode and said hey it's all clear and yeah. uh, then uh, yes uh, we have uh, this israel warning citizens of kidnapping threats ahead of holidays what's going on there ba uh, you know, they like the limelight, right? I don't have to tell you that. They'll make a mountain out of a molehill, really. What is it? Uh, you know, this is something that uh, their uh, National Security Council, I don't know who sits on it, but they issued a warning to its citizens due to the heightened risk of kidnappings 
allegedly by Iranian-backed groups and Palestinian supporters. The advisory was released just ahead of the Jewish uh, high holidays in mid-September, a period when many of their numbers typically embark on vacations. And uh, of course, uh, as always, they claim to hold a moral high ground as the purported only democracy in the Middle East, which is uh, a sham, any way you look at it. And the National Security Council suspects that Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad may carry out kidnappings within Israel. And of course, purportedly to use those kidnapped uh, as hostages as leverage following the failure, in their opinion, of recent negotiations with uh, Israel uh, regarding the release of the remains of Israeli soldiers held in the Gaza Strip. Now, this is a warp way that they think and they project, uh, you know, whatever they do, they try and project on everybody else, of course. That is their habit and they, they want to do that. And uh, of course, additionally, they are concerned that these groups might attempt kidnappings of Israelis and Jews beyond Israel's borders and uh, adding an international dimension to the threat. Wow. And uh, the council also issued warnings regarding possible attacks again, allegedly by Iranian-backed groups. And they claim that uh, Iranian intelligence services have been trying to recruit Israeli citizens both domestically and abroad while posing as business people. And of course, travelers, their travelers are urged uh, to exercise increased caution, particularly in countries near Iran. There's Iran, 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 Iranophobia, yeah? Such as Georgia, Azerbaijan, and Turkey, as well as certain Mediterranean countries and parts of Africa while we're making the headlines at least. Furthermore, Israelis with dual nationality are strongly advised not to travel to countries with which Israel has no official diplomatic relations. Of course, this advisory, get this, this advisory comes in the wake of a single kidnapping incident involving an Israeli-Russian student in Baghdad earlier this year. And of course, they say it, it underscores the need for vigilance and precaution among Israeli citizens. How's that grab you? Just one well, incident and they're making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, it's, uh, I, I, you know, Allah Alam, it's laughable, Ibrahim, but you know, to what they do to the Palestinians, exactly. that, uh, the, the yeah. horrendous crimes that they're perpetrating against their mankind. And get away with it. Thanks yeah. to all these dogs that are in charge everywhere. Yeah, and then they have the unholy alliance with who? With mm. uh, Mr. Narendra Modi. And he's, uh, he's, BJP. He's, he's taking a page out of their book, trust me. Yeah, he's been uh, groomed uh, brilliantly by them. Uh, I mean, he had it yeah, in his DNA and RNA to do things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's absolutely shocking. And then you find uh, that newspapers are wasting or even media are wasting the space in uh, carrying stories out like this. Uh, but uh, I'm glad we brought it in to highlight how uh, hideous it is, Ibrahim Ba. Mm, it is, of course it is. And Alhamdulillah, you know, you use the right superlatives uh, describing that. But then we come to this story, Ibrahim Ba. They, uh, you know, these are the best tourist attractions in Africa where you don't have to spend a cent. Petrol going up by so much. <laughs> Outrageous. I looked at it and running a diesel car, the thing is at about 280, 280. Yeah. So a liter on diesel. Yeah. You know, now, having been in the motor industry myself, the thing is, uh, for those who are not in the know, I'll just quickly uh, digress. 
uh, when you get crude oil, it goes into the refinery and they have what they call a fractioning tower, okay? And the more the fuel is refined, the more it, it, it increases in its octane rating. So you'll get maybe 98 octane, you know, fuel that is petrol, right? That takes the most amount of uh, uh, refining. Then you go down and down and down and you'll find diesel somewhere there, maybe low sulfur, of course, thrown in as well. And then you get down to the absolute crude that they'll use for tie and uh, all that sort of nonsense, yeah? So it always puzzles me as to why diesel should cost more than the petrol, right? And the only explanation I can find is because industry, just about every heavy on the road there is driven by a diesel motor. And that is where they are raking in the cash. So it's not about the uh, cost of the fuel, no. It's all about the racket of getting as much money out of industry as they can. Yes, sir, but, you know, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that is uh, mind-boggling. As this is the refinement, and it only makes sense because, uh, you know, more effort is required. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. uh, and then, yeah, you have like a sludge. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they're paying arm and a leg, and then uh, uh, the, uh, the, the generators that are run by yeah, ESCOM yeah, 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 yeah. run through mm-hmm. diesel now, right? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Uh, that's a startling uh, revelation there, Ba. And uh, maybe I'm going to bring this up with that member of parliament that I talked to. Mm. I'll tell him, go and grill your CR and find out what's really going on there. Yes, sir. And these uh, tourist attractions. Oh, yeah. Let's get back to this. (laughs) Because I tell you, no, no. The the story was ready. I mean, with the diesel tube, you can't even go to these attractions. Yeah, yeah, I tell you. (laughs) Right. uh, Coming back to the uh, topic, uh, uh, it said that discovering the world doesn't have to break the bank. And uh, Kesago, which is a vacation uh, rental expert, have unveiled the most enchanting and wallet-friendly attractions worldwide. And uh, recently, their research uh, delved into publicly available online reviews, seeking out the gems with the most dazzling five-star ratings. And of course, uh, Africa featured highly over there. And uh, we're starting off with Majestic Lion's Head in the Mother City. That stole the crown as the continent's top-rated free tourist attraction that uh, had a staggering 76.48 approval rating, right? And uh, it had fierce competition from Chef Shaoun, uh, Medina, which is in Morocco. I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with that, but uh, it's a city that's uh, all painted blue, you know, in blue shades of blue, and it's really something to behold. And uh, followed closely behind, uh, of course, the uh, lion's head, at uh, 68, uh, I beg your pardon, 76.4%, which is just 0.08% less. Uh, of course, uh, breathtaking Neisner heads claimed the fourth spot with a remarkable 69.34. And uh, this invites adventurers uh, to witness nature's grandeur and uh, really a beautiful part of the world. I've been there and I'd love to be able to retire there if I could. And uh, of course, uh, not to be outdone, uh, sun-kissed Camps Bay Beach made a splash, of course, and securing a spot in the top 10 with a wave of 61, almost 62% of five-star reviews. Now, this research painted a vivid picture of Africa's natural wonders, and what I told you just now is just uh, the ones in South Africa, and it's a reminder, yeah, that uh, Mother Earth herself is an absolutely priceless treasure trove of awe-inspiring experiences. 
Now, if we don't take the time to recognize this and go out and explore it, then of course we, we will pay through the nose to go and see other sites, right? Yet these are free. So whether it's gazing upon the regal lion's head, getting lost in the enchanting alleys of Chef Shaun, or feeling the salt kiss breeze at Camps Bay, Africa's natural beauty beckons and promises an unforgettable adventure without costing you a cent. How's that? Uh, just to quickly recap, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, the top 10 uh, are Lions uh, Head Mountain in Cape Town, and that formed part of the Table Mountain National Park. Then there's uh, Chef Shaun in Morocco, and that's set high up in the Rift Mountains, uh, northwest of uh, Morocco, known for its striking blue-white, blue-washed buildings and its old town. And then there's uh, number three is Anse Lazio, which is a beach on Praline Island in Seychelles, and uh, the best beach on the island and voted number 29 globally. Of course, uh, Naisna Heads, the best known and most recognized iconic river mark in South Africa. And this one at number five, I can't say I know too much about it. It's called the Blue Hole, and that's in off the coast of Dahab in Egypt. Apparently, it's a very popular diving location on the south southeast Sinai on the Red Sea. And uh, staying in Morocco, uh, Qasr Ait bin Hadou, and that's in Wazazat, that's a city south of Morocco's high Atlas Mountains and uh, basically a gateway to the Sahara Desert. Number seven was Nungui Beach, and that's on the northernmost tip of the island of Zanzibar, for those who have been there. Uh, major beach destination, turquoise waters, uh, white sandy beaches, uh, colorful seashells, etc. And then there's Coptic Cairo. And this is a part of old Cairo, with numerous uh, historic constructions including the likes of the Babylon Fortress Coptic Museum et al. But uh, some of these dating back, way back to the 6th century BC. Then you also have the Medina of Fez, a really enchanting place. Uh, Fez al-Bali, it's a UNESCO heritage site. And uh, if you're walking through the alleys in that uh, Medina, you are literally walking through 13 centuries of Moroccan heritage. So it's quite staggering, actually. And uh, at number 10 is, of course, uh, Cape Town's RT Beach, Camps Bay, beautiful long stretch of white beach, and uh, bordered by a promenade full of restaurants, clubs, and hotels. So that's the top 10 that you can see for free. Free? Hey, I'm thinking about where's our Kaiser Den? <laughs> Valley of Thousand Hills. No, it doesn't feature, doesn't feature. The thing is, a lot of lot of international visitors, <laughs> uh, they just bypass Durban. They don't even come here. What no. a tragedy, Ba. What it is, day. of course. It is. It is. It's unreal because, uh, uh, when was it? About uh, six months ago, there was this uh, Indian gentleman and, you know, a family member, you know, family friends that I knew from Canada were down. And I went to meet them at the beachfront. And, mm. uh, you know, the, the, the Sikh guy uh, told me, he said, this is paradise on earth. I said, where? He said, yeah. <laughs> <It's like me. laughs> 
<laughs> he's showing me the beachfront. He said, look at your palm trees and look at this and look at the setting. And I just kept quiet, ba. Yeah, yeah. No I comment. Mean, I no just comment. kept quiet. I said, poor guy, what is he seeing? But anyway, he said, no, no, no. You are so quiet because you take your things for granted here. But I couldn't talk to him about, you know, the yeah, kai yeah. here and what yeah. they do. Your kai is gone. Mm. You blink an eye and all that. But we couldn't. But as you say, if Cape Town could hold it together and, uh, you know, they, as you said, they got the right people. And uh, uh, this is what is uh, missing here. Will we ever, ever get this right here in, uh, in, in, in KZN tourism? Bar? Well, as you say, and I'm going to take a word out of two out of your book, Allahu Allah, I don't know. Okay, that's the best answer you gave. Yeah, the other one would have been a silence, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, by, you know, maybe this will be our last, uh, last topic. Escape to Malawi's Mejete is one of the finest wildlife parks in Africa for game viewing. Mm. Well, I thought uh, our Kruger National Park, all right, is the, is the finest. This is one of the finest. Talk to us, Ba. Uh, yeah, this is uh, quite an incredible uh, if you look at the uh, history. And uh, this uh, Majete Wildlife Reserve, it's a true conservation and tourist gem that has risen literally from the ashes to become a must-visit destination. And of course, the uh, remarkable success story is testament to the relentless efforts to revive and protect the endangered species, making it one of Malawi's top wildlife and safari destinations. And uh, it's uh, nicely located uh, in the scenic Lower Shire Valley in southwest Malawi, uh, 90 minutes from Blantyre and uh, the airport, of course, and twice the distance from Lake Malawi, which is the uh, other natural draw card for Malawi. And uh, its history, Bhai, is one of resilience and transformation. It was once a thriving wildlife refuge, and it faced a dire situation in the late 90s as many large game species, including elephants, were on the brink of extinction. And that was due uh, directly to illegal, illegal activities like encroachment, uh, poaching and all the rest of it. And uh, this is what uh, led to its uh, near death, I would think, as a, as a national sort of uh, park. And uh, it took a non-profit Africa, African parks, and uh, they are quite active, actually. And in 2003, uh, they, being a non-profit organization, they partnered with the Malawian government and local communities and took on the man monumental task of rehabilitating and managing the reserves. And uh, it was a, a, a huge monumental task in, indeed because it involved uh, significant infrastructure development, uh, electrified perimeter fences, road, water holes, scout camps, and of course, uh, tourism facilities. And uh, the real stars of the show, however, are the wildlife, and uh, they are back in all their glories with over 11,000 mammals, including the big five. And uh, they are all now thriving in Mejete. And uh, in late 2018, they introduced giraffes. Uh, and uh, of course, it's a truly captivating addition. If one sees a giraffe in motion, you know, they are just so grateful. It's unbelievable. Graceful. It's unbelievable. And uh, for visitors, it offers an array of adventures from boat safaris on the river to walking and, of course, uh, vehicular safaris. 
and uh, of course uh, the additional uh, spin-off was this is that their positive engagement to local communities where they built strong relationship and uh, of course the outreach projects are benefiting both the reserve and uh, its neighbors. So uh, if you're looking for an unforgettable journey to Majete, uh, that's the place to be. And uh, of course, you can enjoy the breathtaking landscape, the heartwarming community collaborations, and uh, learn the history and the story of triumph at its renewal. An adventure like no other is just waiting for you to explore. So uh, if you're going, Malawi way. Think about this. Well, what yeah. was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brilliant indeed, Abba. Well, we have and uh, yeah, we have landed safely. Great company. Lovely uh, show indeed. Your parting words, uh, Abba, this evening. Yeah, I've got good news and bad news for you. Which one you want for the bad news? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. The bad news is time flies. The good news is that you're the pilot. <laughs> And the best news is you're the chief engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brilliant indeed. You have a wonderful, a lovely evening ahead. And we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bha. Thank you for the opportunity and our listeners to be out there and uh, listening to us. I hope we added value to your evening. Jazakallah khair. Yes, I would like to thank uh, Tobela for top tech uh, this evening. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming and lovely Nashi's uh, interest first from the TV night till we meet you again. We bid you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa